This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 28. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. What's up, guys? So glad to have you here this week. Uh, Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 28. Uh, I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast. And today is the October monthly roundup episode. So I'm really excited about this episode because uh, I personally hit some personal milestones with this. Uh, if you listen to uh, my interviews that I did throughout the month of October, you will know that I interviewed Erica Kastner. Calvin Wayman, and the great John Lee Dumas. Now, Erica Kastner provided some awesome advice. Uh, I love her. I love you know the way she in- talks about business and the, the, the coaching uh, aspect of it and why coaching is so important. Calvin definitely like brought uh, some really, really value nuggets um, that I was really impressed with and, and um, really also uh, implemented a lot in, into my um, – personal way of thinking about, you know, problems and, and business and overcoming challenges and all that kind of stuff. But but John, um, you know, I mean, most people know who John Lee Dumas is. He's the host of uh, EO Fire, s- extremely successful podcast. And he was my inspiration um, for launching the Internet Ballers podcast. So to have him uh, be a guest on my show is just uh, a great thing and, and, and just a huge milestone for me because... I remember before I launched my podcast, uh, I was in a mastermind group and early on in the mastermind group, there was a guy who, uh, was in there and he mentioned that he had a podcast and he said that he had just interviewed John Lee Dumas. And in my mind, uh, you know, back then you interviewing John Lee Dumas just meant like, uh, you know, you had, you had like hit the jackpot. I mean, you were, you made it like you were the, <laughs> you know, awesome, amazing podcaster because, you know, how else could you get a guest as prominent as John Lee Dumas to come on your show unless you had an awesome show. So for me now, uh, coming full circle and actually interviewing John on the show is a great, uh, great milestone for me. So I just want to share that with you. Um, so now, I mean, I'll get into uh, what these monthly roundup episodes are about. And it's all about, you know, me going through my takeaways uh, for my interviews that month and the things that I thought were uh, most impactful and important to me and just kind of sharing uh, my, my thoughts on those things. So first, I want to start with Erica Kastner. Um, so Erica Kastner is the queen of results. Uh, she's a great business coach, uh, had a great career before she became a uh, business coach. Um, and she shared a lot of her, her background story uh, and some value nuggets about um, the, the type of things she thinks people need to have in place in order to grow and have a successful business. So one of the things that she meant accountability partner. So we talked about, you know, having a coach uh, and why you need to have a coach. And she said that's one of the great things about having a coach is you have someone to keep you accountable. She said it can't be your mom. It can't be your spouse. It can't be your friend. It can't be someone who's not really going to hold your feet to the fire. You need that person who, one, understands your business, understands what next steps you need to take. And who's going to push you uh, toward those growth goals? Because if you're not being pushed, uh, a lot of times, you know, we are not going to push ourselves as far as someone else will. Um, and uh, I personally learned that as a as a runner. You know, having a coach uh, definitely pushes me past my limit. And even running with other people who I know are faster than me uh, pushes me too. Because you know, when I'm when I'm in those circles. Uh, I feel like, man, I got to keep up with these these other people. Otherwise, I'm going to look bad. So I, I push myself even further than when I'm running by myself. 
So I think, um, you know, in addition to having a coach, and this is something that um, I think is personally nice to have is also a circle of people who are also, you know, running, so to speak, from a business standpoint at the same pace or at a faster pace than you are, because that's going to push you uh, to want to move uh, even faster and grow even more and say, hey, I can't I can't move at the level I'm moving now. Look at th- what these other people are doing. Um she also said the comfort zone. So if you really want to move forward, you have to be willing to make decisions that will make you a little bit uncomfortable. You have to be willing to do things and take your business in, in places that uh, are outside of the comfort zone because that's where real growth happens. And where growth happens is also uh, where your business uh, grows in income um, and in uh, your client base. Uh, so that's something really important to focus on. Um, she also said that coaching should be an ongoing process, uh, that over time, um, you're going to shift from one coach to another. So you're going to outgrow coaches, you're going to outgrow mentors, uh, and then you just move, uh, up that value chain throughout your career. Uh, and at certain points, you know, your previous coaches will become your peers because you've just, uh, you know, leveled up and you've, you've moved up on the ladder. Uh, so, you know, um, Coaching isn't something that is just kind of a one-time thing where you get a coach right now and then you don't need a coach anymore. No, you just keep moving up to the next um, uh, next coach who can help you with the next challenge, who can help you with something that you are you haven't encountered yet because that process never ends. Um, she said that uh, a coach is really good with helping you um, to identify and uh, move past uh, roadblocks. I know she, she shared on the podcast that she had a lot of personal uh, issues that her coach helped her move past um, and, um, I know that for a lot of people, they have limiting beliefs. They have, you know, uh, they're not clear on what their why is. They're not clear on what their business message is. They're not even clear on what type of business they want to, they want to have or what would be best for them. So coaches can help you, uh, to accomplish all those things. Uh, so next on the, on the podcast, I had Calvin Wayman. Uh, so Calvin, um, is the, uh, great social media strategist, uh, he's the author of the amazing book, Fish Out of Water. If you have not read Fish Out of Water, I, I clearly, uh, I definitely recommend you go to Amazon and buy that book because uh, it's pretty awesome. And he shared a lot of um, things from the book and some of his personal challenges. Uh, and uh, I really like Calvin's kind of uh, mentality to overcoming challenges. So uh, one of the things that we first talked about was the fact that he ran a 50 miler. Um, and we started out with that because I was curious as to one, why he decided to run it. Um, and, um, what he learned from it. And I, you know, my initial thought process was, okay, Calvin did this 50 miler because he wanted to have some sort of physical challenge to, you know, get in shape or stay in shape or whatever. But he said that it really wasn't about that. I mean, it was part of it clearly, but really it was about the fact that he had read, uh, Hal Elrod's, um, book, the, the miracle morning. And in that book, Hal talked about how he ran a 50 miler, a 50 miler. And, and initially, uh, Calvin thought to himself, I can never do that. And he caught himself and he said, because I just said I can never do that. And I have that mental block. I have to do it. I have to prove to myself that this mental limitation is not real. And so that was his motivation for running the 50 miler, because if he didn't do it, if he allowed that belief to settle in, then he would always continue to believe and reinforce the idea that he can't do it. And it really wasn't that he couldn't do it. It was just because he hadn't done it before and he had all these ideas um, that, you know, someone like him, for for whatever reason, wouldn't be able to accomplish his goal. So he said, okay, I'm going to prove to myself that I can do it. And I think that that's such a great thing because, 
you know, he, he, he kind of implemented that process throughout his life, throughout his business, throughout all the things that he's doing is whenever he sees something, he feels like, Hey, I can't do this. Um, he pushes through it. He says, you know what, because I feel like I can't do it now, I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove to myself that it can be done. Uh, and that reminds me of this, um, uh, this, uh, talk that I heard Tony Robbins give. And, uh, Tony was talking about, um, uh, runners and I, I can't remember the specific details of uh, of the story but basically what it was was he was talking about the first person who ran um i don't know i can't remember what what you know pace it was but a, a mile at a certain a certain clip right beat a beat a world record there had been a world record that was set for running a mile and um it uh it, it stood for a long long period of time and every runner believed all the elite runners and everyone else in the community believed it couldn't be beat because it hadn't been beaten in such a long time and the first time someone else beat that record, that next year, a whole lot of other people beat the record too because it was mental. You know, people assumed it couldn't be done because no one else had done it. Uh, even the people at the top believed that. And then once someone proved that it could be done, other people knew that, knew that it was possible. And so they did the exact same thing. Now, why is that? You know, it's like, why does it take someone else doing it for you to believe that it can be done? And so for me, that means that there's so many other things out there that other people aren't doing and everyone believes, oh, because no one else has done it, I can't do it. Or because someone else doesn't look like me or talk like me or have my same background or have my same circumstances hasn't done it, I can't do it. But, you know, that 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 doesn't mean anything. You know, you can accomplish whatever you want to accomplish uh, as long as you're willing to figure out uh, and be resourceful enough to figure out how to, how to make that goal happen. Um, so some other things that Calvin mentioned uh, was that he, he talked a lot about um, the importance of um, respecting your your current situation, right? Respecting your current situation and uh, how to make whatever decision that you make the right one. So he said that successful people, uh, they don't go into situations in which they think, okay, well, uh, you know, what's the right decision to make? And they, you know, belabor the point all day long. They, he said they make a decision and then they make it right. And what he meant by that was, they make a decision, no matter what it is, whether it's hiring this particular coach, whether it's investing in a certain business model, whether it's you know buying a certain you know uh, product from a supplier that they're going to sell. Um, they decide to themselves, okay, I've already made this decision. I'm going to do every single thing I can to make this work, and so that's how they make it right. They put their all into it. They don't you know second guess themselves all the time because if you make a decision, you're constantly second guessing yourself you're not likely to put everything you can into it because there's that, that self-doubt is going gonna, is gonna, to um, cause resistance. That self-doubt is going to cause you to, to constantly question whether or not you're wasting resources, additional resources, you know, um, wasting time, wasting money. Uh, so he said, you know, successful people just go all in. You know, they, they make the decision and they make that decision right. He, he used the analogy, which I thought was great, of, you know, marrying someone and, um, and then once you get married, you're always questioning, did I marry the right person? Should I marry this person? Should I marry that person? And that doubt in and of itself is going to hurt your marriage. You're not going to put everything into making things right with this person. And then when the marriage fails, you say to yourself, oh, I knew it. You know, I knew this wasn't the right person. Whereas in reality, if you had said, you know what, I made this decision, I'm going to make it right. And you would put everything you had into that marriage. And, and, and you know, what we're talking about here is business into your business then you will be much more likely to be successful. And so I love that sort of mentality shift in which, you know, you're not, you're not focused on always, uh, you know, 
obsessed with is this the right decision because we were talking about hiring a business coach and he said that he had spent the equivalent of two cars <laughs> two cars on a business coach um this was nick unsworth was the coach that he hired and um and he spent that money and i asked him you know weren't, weren't you worried about that you know you're spending all this money you don't know what kind of return on investment you're going to get and that's what he, that was his answer that you know successful people they make a decision and they make it right uh and so you don't need to worry about whether or not uh, it's the right coach or the right course, or the right whatever. You just make that decision and you you find a way to make it right. You you become them um, and and especially in business. And um, I have been working so much to uh, implement and remember that whenever I'm making a decision, that the fact that I'm gonna I'm gonna make the decision and then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make it right. Um, and in his book Fish Out of Water, he goes a lot deeper into uh, all these different things about making decisions and and his life story and. Uh, I'm really, really like it to, uh, to life, to business, uh, to, um, just going after the things that he wants and not letting his fears get in his way. I mean, this, this happened again and again in the podcast where he talked about a fear that he had and he just like, because he saw that fear there, he said, I'm, I'm going to conquer this. I'm going to do this intentionally because I can't allow that fear to get, uh, to get in my way. Um, so Next, uh, I like to move into uh, John Lee Dumas. So, you know, John Lee Dumas is a super successful um, podcaster, host of uh, EO Fire. He's done over fourteen hundred episodes, fourteen hundred interviews with different entrepreneurs throughout his uh, four years of having his podcast. Made millions of dollars, uh, which is insane to me. Um, and uh, but even John, you know, John's had his struggles. I mean, he talked about like when he when he first started out as a podcaster, how he felt uh, extreme imposter syndrome. He said that he struggled a lot because he didn't have any experience. He didn't have any background. He had never interviewed anyone before. And even more than that, he was going to have a podcast talking about entrepreneurship. And he wasn't an entrepreneur. He had never started a business. So he felt like, how, who am I? You know, who am I to create a podcast and talk about entrepreneurship when I've never created a business before? Uh, when I've never interviewed anyone before, but he went out and he did it anyway. And you can see the great success that he's had because he put himself out there and he, he was willing um, to just to just go for it. Um, he knew he had something that he loved doing uh, and he just kept building on his skills and getting better and better each day. And now, you know, 1400 episodes later, he's significantly better than he was before. Um, so he definitely had imposter syndrome. So if anyone, if, if you're, if you're out there suffering from the same thing, just know that every single person, uh, has suffered through it. Uh, and so you're, you're definitely not alone. Uh, he even talked about, you know, more recently how, um, he, uh, he interviewed Tony Robbins. Um, and, uh, in his discussion with Tony Robbins, you know, he, he said that, uh, Tony Robbins told him that him and his son, Tony Robbins and his son were discussing John the other day. Uh, and, and he was like, what, you know, Tony Robbins is talking about me. And it just kind of shows that no, you know, no matter what level of success you have, there's always someone else that you're looking up to. Uh, and John, you know, for, for him, it was being surprised that Tony Robbins would even, um, you know, be talking about him. Uh, so, um, you know, same sort of thing, um, that I talked about before where I was so, I'm so impressed with, you know, having John on my show. Uh, you know, he was impressed with, uh, being able to get Tony Robbins on his show. Um, uh, John also talks about the importance of, uh, being transparent and how he decided early on to be very, very transparent about his business. He was inspired by, uh, by Pat Flynn, uh, who, you know, early on with smart passive income, Pat has always been very transparent with, you know, the type of business that he's setting up, his struggles, 
the income that he's making, what sources of income he has, because uh, really he just wants other people to be able to um, understand uh, his business and understand how he makes money uh, and, you know, kind of get ideas for themselves and figure out what, what might work and what won't work. Um, John was also open uh, about, uh, you know, his revenue streams and how he decides to pick one revenue stream versus another. And he said that um, for him, uh, all the different ideas for revenue streams came from his audience. So he didn't guess. He didn't just say, hey, I think, you know, this might work. I'm going to create this course. Or, hey, I think this might work. I'm going to create this mentorship program. No, it was people reaching out to him and saying, hey, you know, mentorship, the one-on-one mentorship and group mentorship uh, were kind of the first things that he used to make money. Uh, so we had Fire Nation Elite, but that came from people asking him, hey, can you mentor me? You know, I want to learn how to, I want to learn how to podcast. Um, he listened to his audience. He built out the mentorship program. He started making money from that. Then he had sponsors reach out to him and say, hey, we'd like to sponsor your podcast. Can we, can we do that? And he said, yeah, sure. You can pay me to, you know, pay me to have me talk about your, uh, your product on the podcast. So he added sponsorships. And then he had people, more people saying, hey, I want to learn how to podcast. I want to learn how to podcast. And then he said, okay, I'll start, you know, Podcaster's Paradise. And then he had other people reaching out to him saying, hey, I, I want to learn how to do these awesome webinars that you use to bring people into Podcaster's Paradise. And so he created webinars on fire. Um, and then, you know, it just goes on and on from there. Now, you know, he has the, uh, the Freedom Journal that he's been working on and selling that to help people accomplish their, um, you know, top goal in 90 days. Um, all these projects have come from listening to his audience, from figuring out one and not guessing. And I've heard this countless times from entrepreneurs, people I've interviewed on the show about not guessing about what your audience wants and just asking them and figuring out based on their feedback. And for people out there who don't have an audience, going into forums, going into Facebook groups, seeing what other people are talking about uh, and getting an idea of the kind of products that you can create based on these problems. Um, I know, uh, Ryan Levesque in his book, ask, you know, he talks about the ask formula of asking people, but you know, it, be, it becomes somewhat challenging if you don't have an audience, if you don't have this huge email list that you can ask, if you don't have this huge following that you can ask. Um, so, you know, going to forums and going into Facebook groups is a great way to, um, ask questions in there and, if, and try to get responses. But if you do ask a question and let's say you don't get the responses that you're expecting, then the other option is just to listen to what people are saying, you know, um, and then uh, kind of curate that information, package it, see what you see, what what are the most consistent things that you hear, and then put a put a product together uh, from there, and then test it out. You know, don't put the whole this whole huge um, thing that you're going to work on for months together. Put put together little pieces, release it to the market, see what people say about it, and they'll let you know whether they like it or not. So then you don't waste your time building something that people are not going to buy or people are not really interested in or, or maybe they want it, you know, in a slightly different way. Um, so some other things that John mentioned that, that I really liked um, was that he talked about um, what he would do if he had to start things over. And I asked him that question because he asked that question to his guests on his podcast and I wanted to know what he thought. Um, and I think that's really important for people who are super successful because John mentioned, you know, if he launched Entrepreneur on Fire today, that it wouldn't be a success or probably wouldn't be nearly as successful as it, as it, as it is. Um, because there's so many other podcasts out there. There's so many other daily podcasts out there. There's so many other podcasts talking about entrepreneurship. It's so hard, um, to see that same success now. So he said that what he would do is, uh, he would find someone that he really resonates with that has a business that 
models the type of business that they want. Um, and, and I think that that piece of finding someone that has the business that they want is important because I think a lot of people will make the mistake of like John uses the example of like asking Richard Branson to be uh, a mentor. And it's like, well, do you want to start an airline? Do you want to start a record company? Because if you don't, then Richard Branson is probably not the best mentor if you're looking to start, you know, an Amazon business or you're looking to start a podcast or you're looking to sell affiliate products because that's just not what he does. Um, so he said, find someone that has a business that you want to model and then just, you know, attach yourself to that person. Ask them if you can work for them for free. Um, ask them if you can, you know, uh, be their intern and uh you know he said you know a lot of people some people will say no some people will say yes and if someone says no then you just say hey you know i i i get that you know you may not have time or may not have the need for someone right now do you know anybody who would have the interest in taking my free work you know and you work for that person for 90 days or so or 30 days or whatever time frame you you think is is right and then once that's over then you can approach them and say hey i've you know i've been doing this stuff for 90 days. Um, I feel like I've, I've, you know, learned a lot and added some value. I want to know, am I at a point where you think my skills, my value is worth paying me minimum wage, right? Or whatever number you come up with. Um, and, uh, you know, and then they may say, yes, uh, yes, I want to, you know, hire you on, or they may say, no, I don't have, uh, the capacity to do that. Uh, I don't want to do it. Don't have the interest, whatever. Uh, and then you part ways, but either way you've built a great relationship and you learned a lot and to me, I'm even, you know, I'm even a fan of even taking that further and just saying, hey, you just continue the relationship to work with that person for free if you can, if you have the time, um, because really, it's 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 like, if, you know, in that situation, you're being paid through learning. You know, your payment is education, and many times that's much more valuable than money. So you can kind of think of it as, you know, you would, you know, pay to pay a mentor or pay a coach. So if you work for someone who is super successful, they're essentially mentoring you for free, right? You're working for them. And as you work for them, you're learning so much about how to build a business, how to do things the right way. Um, and so that's that's mentorship right there. So instead of you paying for it, you're either being paid for it or doing it for free. Um, so John also talked about the fact that he said, you know, in his his particular situation, he had a unique situation. He didn't have any college debt um, because he was in the military. Um he also had $100,000 in the bank, which most people don't don't have. They don't have that sort of runway in which they can just go all in. And he said that was a huge, those huge things that helped him uh, to be able to really uh, launch Entrepreneur, Entrepreneur on Fire to the level that it's at. Was He was able to go all in and had an 18-month runway money to invest in coaches and hire Jamie Masters to be his coach. Um, and uh, just, just kind of do all the things that he needed to do, join Cliff Ravenscraft's um, uh, podcasters mentorship group and um, and put put all his time into to yield fire uh, but he said a lot of people don't have the time to do that or the money to do it so if that was the case that he would just have side hustled uh, which is what I'm doing and I think a lot of other people you know many of you out there listening are doing doing too or need to do because you know and he said that he would just wake up in the morning and work from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. and that's actually it's interesting that he mentioned that because that's actually my schedule I get up at 4 a.m. Uh, I work till 7 a.m. before I have to go to get ready to go to work. And then after work, um, you know, I, uh, I ask my wife if she wants to, you know, watch a movie or, um, I don't know, have a chat or something like that. And um, 
you know, usually uh, we'll try to spend our time together in the evenings. And then, if, you know, if she, either she's busy doing something else that she wants to do or she goes to bed, I'll just say, OK, and now I have more free time to uh, continue to work on the business. So I work on it um, uh, at night as well. And, uh, and, and that just kind of allows you to fit in your work schedule, your, you know, not neglect your, your personal relationships, but then also have time every day to focus, um, specifically on your business. Um, so that is my takeaways from the, uh, the interviews that I did this month. Um, one other thing I want to talk about that I'm really excited about that I mentioned, if you heard last week's episode, um, the interview I did with John Lee Dumas, uh, you'll know at the end, I mentioned that, uh, I switched over from uh, using internetballers.co to using internetballers.com. So I lucked out. Uh, I was actually, I mean, it happened by mistake. So I'll, I'll share the story with you. Um, the story goes, uh, I, I woke up one morning uh, and uh, I went to update my site and I accidentally typed in internetballers.com. Uh, instead of .co, <laughs> a mistake that I, I, I assumed that other people probably made before, and I was kind of worried about, um, but no one was using the .com. It was just kind of a parked website that someone had bought and just wasn't, weren't doing anything with it. Um, so anyway, so I, I typed it in. And before, um, you know, when I, the reason why I, I registered the .co is because the .com was already taken. Um, but they weren't doing anything with it. And I think, I don't know, I can't remember. There was an auction that you could buy for like $5,000 or something, but I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm you know, I'm not paying that. So uh, I'll just register the .co and just go from there. Um, but then I, I typed it in by accident and it took me to a GoDaddy page uh, that showed that the person who had the site registered didn't renew it. Uh, and GoDaddy had been doing an auction uh, for the website and the auction, I think, started at $5,000. And what they do is each day that no one bids, the auction progressively uh, goes down. The start value, start the starting bid price goes down each day. And finally, when I log, when I went to uh, look at the site, it was the last day of the auction. The auction was ending that day, later that day. And the price for the URL was $5. <laughs> so, of course, I bought it. And I said, okay, $5 for this URL. So yeah, I got the I got internetballers.com um, and uh, started migrating my content over to the site, and that process is like another thing because I went through a whole lot of issues trying to get my content over to um, the dot uh, from the dot co to the dot com, and so I'll share a little bit about that process for anyone who's you know thinking about doing the same thing or who has done the same thing because I just recently went through it. Um, so what I had to do was I I use Bluehost. Uh, to host my site. Um, so what I had to do is I had to um, link my uh, URL. So because I purchased a uh, existing URL, there's a 60-day lock on moving uh, from one uh, provider to another. So I couldn't actually move uh, the URL from GoDaddy to Bluehost. Um, so I just, you know, it's it's fine. And so I just linked it to my Bluehost hosting account and... Um, then what I had to do was move the content over, and that was a challenge because um, I, I I first made the mistake of and and don't do this. <laughs> I first made the mistake of assigning uh, the internetballers.co and .com to the same directory, um, and I just wasn't thinking about it. I didn't really think it mattered. I didn't really understand. I guess to be honest, I didn't really understand that much about how you know these things work in the back um, back office. Um, and so it's all a learning process, you know, whatever. 
uh, and I then proceeded to uh, install uh, WordPress on the .com. Well, what happens is anybody who, who's aware of uh, what happens when you have two domains uh, attached to the same uh, directory is what you do with one domain happens to the other one. So when I installed WordPress, it erased all the content on both sites. So all of my content for internetballers.co was gone. And I didn't even realize it until um, one of the one of the people in uh, one of my masterminds reached out to me and said, hey, I went to your site to check out your podcast and there's nothing there. Uh, so I said, mm, OK, that's a problem. So I went back. I looked at it. I called Bluehost. They told me what to do. So I restored the .co. Um, I unassigned the .com, found a new directory, put the .com in another directory, and then had to move the content over. So what I did to move the content over was I actually um, unassigned both sites. So I unassigned the .co uh, from the current directory. I unassigned the .com from the new directory that I had made for it. And then I assigned the .com to the old directory that the .co was assigned to. Um, and uh, after I did that, I went in and uh, I, um, I went into uh, logging in the WordPress. Uh, and, and one tip that I learned is that you have to actually, uh, for you to be able to, so you have to go into WordPress after you do that, after, if you're looking to do the same thing. If you want to move your, your content over, um, you have to go into WordPress and change the domain in WordPress. But if you unassign the domain, at least this is what happened to me. I don't know if this is a universal thing, but what happened to me was once I unassigned the domain, I couldn't log in. Um, once I unassigned internetballers.co, I couldn't log in to that site anymore, uh, to my WordPress site anymore. Um, so when I assigned it, when I assigned the .com to the same directory, I could no longer log into the site because you also have to change the URL in WordPress so that WordPress knows to point the site to the, the, the new URL. Um, so, uh, I had to, so I had both, so I went back and reassigned it. So I had both sites reassigned to this, to the same domain, uh, to the same directory again. And I went and I logged into the .co, uh, went into WordPress, uh, went into settings, changed the, uh, URL address that the site was pointing to, to the .com. And then once I did that, then everything on the .com worked. So I had moved the directory over to the .com. Uh, in in in, uh, in Bluehost, I had gone into logged into WordPress, went in the settings, changed the site URL and site name um, and domain name to the .com, and then after I had done all that, um, I went in and I redirected uh, all of the um, .co uh, URLs to the .com, so that everything and all my backlinks and everything well not backlinks but every all the links that I had for my show uh, would would move over, and I did a permanent um, 301 redirect. Uh, for that. And the other thing that I learned is um, you want to do a wildcard redirect because what the wildcard redirect does is it not only um, redirects the uh, uh, the main URL, so internetballers.co, but it also redirects all the um, the subdomains, so sublinks. So I have, you know, a, a, a particular link for each episode. And before, when I redirected, I realized those episodes weren't being uh, linked. And so that you just get a 404 um, page um, message whenever you would go there. So I had to do the wildcard redirect so everything would get redirected over. So now if anyone goes to 
you know, one of my old links, it'll automatically take them to the internetballers.com. Uh, so I just wanted to share a little bit about that, some new things that I learned. And I know there, I'm sure there's someone else who's thinking about doing the same thing or wondering how to do the same thing. So that was a process that I used. It works smoothly. I haven't, I haven't noticed any issues yet. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, so that's the uh, October Monthly Roundup episode. Thanks a lot for listening. Check me out at internetballers.com. Um, I can be found also on um, Twitter at uh, Michael uh, underscore Pasha and on Facebook at uh, Michael Pasha Live. Uh, and you can say, shoot me an email if you have any questions uh, or you always want to connect. I love connecting with new people. Uh, and I can be found at Michael at internetballers.com. Thanks a lot for listening. And uh Look forward to tuning in uh, and talking to you more next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>